what what is his what is his take on on your your being there now? Both. Well, we we we've never talked about that, and it, okay, you know, he he's always been gracious to me, and he was uh, he was he was fun. We did some short trips on the mm. tour bus together and stuff, and talking about cars and things like that, and mm-hmm. uh, so, but you know, it was it was it was all good for me, and I have tremendous respect. On this episode for of Playtime, after 48 years, the iconic band Foreigner winds down to their final show in 2024. Vocalist Kelly Hansen looks back on his 19 of those years the legacy of Lou Graham, and the talent of guitarist Mick Jones. I'm your host, W.C. Turk. My river of tears ran dry And I tried to be so strong But for weaker as time went by Quick announcement for faithful listeners, my book, A History of Light for the Artist, From the Big Bang to the New World, is finally finished after 10 short years in the making. You can hear excerpts from the book right here on this podcast, Me the Real William Shakespeare, and Art and Science and the Publishing of Malleus Maleficarum, plus Christian Meineke and Angel Angel Casey. Wow, and I rehearsed this, buddy. Kristen Meineke and Angel Casey uh, against the world, a great discussion with their son, Brad Meineke, who I know will hear this podcast, and uh, his important parents who risked it all for civil rights. Uh, Stay tuned for details and more from History of Light for the Artist here on Playtime. Also coming up on Chicago Writes, the podcast of the Chicago Writers Association, Writing Humor, my conversation with, with author Maggie Smith, exclusively at chicagorights.org. If an iconic singer like Lou Graham would have a vocal doppelganger, it would have to be my guest, Kelly Hansen, who joined Foreigner after the departure of Lou Graham in in 2004. After nearly 50 years, Foreigner calls it quits at the end of two, uh, 2024. A lot of math here, man. Uh, the band performs their historic farewell tour in Tinley Park in suburban Chicago for their only Chicagoland date, July 22nd, at the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater for a 7 p.m. show with special guest Loverboy. The band's latest CD is Jukebox Heroes. The website is foreigneronline.com. Uh I, I know I know you've got you've got lungs of steel, man, but but welcome. Thank you. And, and a couple of corrections. Yes, sir. Uh, also Foreigner Live on Instagram. And 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 Lou left for the second time in two thousand two, not two thousand four. Okay, uh, I do duly noted, brother. Thank you for that. <laughs> Got um, it. Happy to be here. Thank you, man. It, it's it's such a pleasure to have you. Uh, I I've been a fan. I was a fan of of Hurricane and and yes, Perfect World 
before you joined uh, joined foreigners. So um, we we go back at least in spirit uh, a long time. Um, <laughs> That's great. And and I want to touch on your work with Hurricane and especially Perfect World. Uh, and we are definitely going to dive into uh, you and Foreigner and your work with kids choirs uh, through the Grammy Foundation. And it, but it's this is a pretty free form conversation. Uh, to give you some indication, uh, Martin Barr, who's been on a number of times, was just by a month or month or so ago uh, ahead of their uh, their Jethro Tull uh, uh, anniversary tour. And uh, we talked about Latin dancing, his love of classical music, and a refrigerator repair project he was rather proud of. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So th- this could this could go anywhere. Um, right. Indicative of that, I was going to start with food, but there's is there a book maybe to cap off a 50-year run for the band? You've got a hell of a story, brother. Uh, Kelly Hansen from Busboy to Rock Idol. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that title. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just spitballing here. You know, nothing set in stone. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if my story is that interesting. But um, be, you know, but I have been doing this for forty-five years ish. So yeah, yeah. it's a long time. You know, it's a, a lot of uh, a lot of just you know nose of the grindstone stuff. It's really not super interesting. But but uh, I hear what you're saying. All right, all right. Well, we'll 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 shelf that for now and and move on. You were a winner on Chopped. I was on the Food Network. My wife and I uh, used to watch the Cooking Channel uh, like it was high stakes sporting events. Uh, right. You made you made chicken tacos, right? Yeah. For the there's three rounds in the show. Uh-huh. Uh, first two, first two are twenty minutes, and the and the last one. No, first one is twenty minutes, and the last no last i guess the next two or 30 minutes i think and um so for the first round they were it was a kind of tongue-in-cheek uh uh ingredient round because we were all musicians so it was a, it was okay. like a musician uh themed episode so they had they had uh quote drumsticks uh-huh. and they had uh they had beer um they had um uh well they have they had uh, in the first round oh i had uh uh no, they didn't, the beer was not in the first round. The beer was in the, in the second round. But first round, they had champagne. And so you had drumsticks, champagne. Uh, what was the one I said? Um, uh, uh, beer? Uh, no, it wasn't beer. Yeah, it was okay, So drumsticks, okay. Okay. drumsticks, champagne. Oh, man, I can't remember all the ingredients. But it was kind of kind of music themed. So the okay. first thing I thought of when I saw the chicken was, I'm, you know, I got 20 minutes. I'm going to make some kind of taco. So that, that yeah. kind of was a no-brainer for me. For sure. Here I am in this place again. It's not where I want to be with you. It feels like we've been here a thousand times. Now I think we've crossed the line. Where do we go 
You, uh, you, you grew up in Mexican restaurants. Well, not really. My first job was in a Mexican restaurant um, uh-huh. In, uh-huh. in Colorado, which was a very Americanized version of a Mexican restaurant. Uh, and I started out as a dishwasher. That's true. And I was to, right before my 16th birthday, I started working there when I was 15. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then, you know, moved up to what I call a kind of a food assembler. I wasn't really cooking, cooking. Everything was kind of pre-made and, and in, in those, those, those stainless steel tubs that you see yeah. and you on a, on a rack of stuff and you'd kind of assemble it. So that's what I did. And then I didn't really kind of focus on cooking for many, many, many years after that. It mm-hmm. wasn't like, it wasn't a direct connection to where I am today with my love of cooking. I saw I saw that you uh, that you did uh, th- some some show on YouTube uh, that I, I I caught a caught a bit of uh, where you did what we do here when we make guacamole. You add garlic. I think a lot of people miss garlic. That's that's not something you 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 make you make again what we call what the wife and I call here uh, a dirty garlic or uh, a dirty guacamole or garden guacamole where we're throwing everything in fresh jalapeno cilantro garlic tomato uh, onion all that um you, you did it right man well i don't do i have a i think it's a seven ingredient uh, guacamole i i don't okay um i do put a, a little bit of garlic in but you can't put in too much cuz then yep. if you know if you notice it appreciably i think that that's not the right way to go so yeah. and i don't i don't do tomatoes or corn or any of that other stuff it's just pr- kind of pure in in, okay. in my yeah i just do i just do the the red onion and the cilantro a little bit of garlic and i do you have to do something uh, a spicy chili in there whether uh-huh. it's a habanero, whether it's a jalapeno, or and uh, and just kind of keep it simple. But you, you you sort of graduated to to becoming the the band chef of sorts, right? Well, <laughs> I mean, what really happened was is that uh, I was on Chopped in what 2015, I think it was, and we, yeah, were, on, yeah. we were on tour with the Kid Rock, I think, when we when it showed. So okay, uh, and then um, then. A few years later, COVID hit, and we didn't. We didn't. We weren't on the road for a year and four months. Yeah, and, yeah. And I I cooked every single meal during that year, four months at home, except for I ordered in curry once, and I went to sushi once in the in the tail end of uh, COVID when restaurants were open, but you had to wear masks. Wow. So so every every other meal I cooked at home, and and then when we came back on the road, it was a, it was a very difficult time as far as being on the road because we had to have all of these we had to implement all of these these covid related um items to make sure that everyone was safe and that we weren't getting sick and because if i got sick in the bubble as it were right everybody would have to go home if i got sick so i didn't want to be sick it was a monday a day like any other day i left the small town for the apple in the cave
management and our team were like booking hotels and they would say, of course we have room service. And then we'd, we'd check in and they'd go, oh, no, we don't have room service. <laughs> and then, you know, every restaurant that you would look up on Yelp or, or wherever would, would say, oh, we're open. And you, and you would call or you'd go there and like, no, they weren't open. And so and if you did get room service, it was coming to you in a paper bag or a styrofoam container with plastic utensils. But they uh -huh. were still charging the same price they charged before COVID. Because then they didn't have to change the menus, so um, and I just said, you know, I don't, I don't like that. I don't, I, that doesn't work for me, and I don't, I don't like eating out of a, a styrofoam box and and, yeah. and and a paper bag. So, so I got a, um, I got an induction burner on the tour bus because the tour bus usually doesn't have a a uh, burn a st stove top. You, you're lucky yeah. if you have you have a microwave and you have a, a refrigerator. Yeah. So. I got an induction burner on the stove that I could set up on the countertop and I could, I could make things. I could make, you know, sing, single, uh, pot things, uh, nice. single skillet meals. So mm -hmm. I could, instead of paying $50 for an egg breakfast at a hotel that was in a paper bag, I could go down <laughs> to the bus. I can make bacon and eggs myself, just how I like it with ingredients that I know. And I know where they're coming from. Mm. And, um, and it was a lot more comfortable. You know, I could just sit on the bus and, there you are, and uh, it was really great. I I made I made curry for the band. Of course, I made guacamole or my famous bean dip, or or uh, or I, I one time I made uh, I made spaghetti bolognese from scratch, and I made the pasta from scratch on the bus. Wow! I don't wow. think I don't think I'll I don't think I'll do that again <laughs> because uh, <laughs> the work the workspace is so small that it took me like four hours from beginning to end to like get it all done. But yeah. I, I do yeah. I do like to do that on the bus. Last time we were on the bus, I. I made some red sauce here at home and I put it in one of those big uh, gigantic uh, water uh, jugs that has a screw mm -hmm. top on it. And I, mm -hmm. I took that on the road. I put that on the bus and I was, I was putting red sauce on my eggs in the morning and nice. it, it really made it a lot, feel a lot more like at home. And, and when I'm cooking too, I feel more, more at home and more relaxed and comfortable. And, and it's also kind of a, kind of uh, cathartic and and, yeah. and very relaxing for me to to cook yeah it's gotta Most make that 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 those road trips not feel so daunting and so exhaustive yeah and I healthier mean, because, because i have to i can't just go and eat i i, I won't go and eat fast food or so Correct. i need to have i need to have because I, I don't eat a lot so what i when i do eat i want it to be something of quality mm -hmm, and um mm -hmm. And, and the sourcing of ingredients and how they're prepared means something to me. I mean, a, a lot of people just kind of accept what restaurants deliver. And most yeah. of the time it doesn't, doesn't look like it does on the menu and, <laughs> um, and the, you know, the picture on the menu. So, I mean, they always overcook chicken and fish. Always. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm just like, Oh my goodness, you know? So if I can do it myself and it's cheaper and easier and exactly the way I like, why wouldn't I do it? Indeed, indeed. Uh, I I spoke with uh, and and not to not to sort of sort of pad your future resume uh, with with books and uh, but I spoke a few weeks ago with uh, Frank Aral from Poi Dog Pondering. Um, he does these dinners and music uh, for private parties as Chef Frank um, all over the world, all over the country, all over the world. May, maybe a singing Chef Kelly. Just throwing well, it out. I I wouldn't give my I would never give myself the title of chef because I haven't earned that title. I didn't go okay. to school. I'm not trained. I'm I'm a guy who likes to cook, mm -hmm. and um, and we and we have done all kinds of events relating around food and 
uh, music or food and foreigner, although I don't sing at those. Um, those mm-hmm. are really a kind of about talking about our experiences in the band and what we yeah. do with 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 people who love the band and the songs. And then, you know, uh, I will I will uh, work with a chef or 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 I will. Um, what's the word I want to use? Um, I will collaborate. Uh, yeah. Well, that? not not collaborate, but I, I kind of um, oversee kind of the the, the menu choices yeah. and what the chef wants to do because I've realized that in different places of the country, it's better to let the the local guy, you know, really kind of make the big choices because he knows his local people. Mm-hmm. There there are some parts of the country where they will not eat anything green, and you know I I've lived in California most of my life and and. There's a lot of green here, uh, stuff that we, <laughs> and um, but I'm not going to go somewhere, in, maybe in the Midwest or in the middle of the country somewhere, and, and try to make a meal out of tofu. It's just like it's not going to go over. So, I rely on those the, the local chefs in that area to kind of really come up with the most substantive part of of uh, of what we're doing. Nice, nice. Say you will, say you won't. Make up your mind tonight Say you do, say you don't Wanna be mine Say you will, say you won't Make up your mind this time Say you will, say you will Be mine tonight I can't sleep Um, so let, let's get on to the band. There's a couple of things I want to I want to cover about the band, and I'd like I'd like to start this way with you. Uh, I met my wife in Sarajevo during the siege, and in the opening months of the Ukraine war, I was communicating with the Ukrainian artist uh, Pavlo Makov uh, in Kharkiv, who was right on the front line. He, actually, we were speaking uh, one time when a missile came down in the street right in front of his building. Wow. Um, so that conflict is near and dear to my to my heart and social conscience. Uh, the band has done uh, concerts in support of Ukraine, right? Yeah, we have. We also um, we also performed for our troops in Poland. Nice. Uh, it's a terrible thing that's going on up there. My wife is Polish, yeah. and uh, okay, so she's very familiar with the, the with the the politics and the ongoing stuff there. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's an it's an important it's a, an important thing for all of us to be aware of and keep up on. I have to say this: um, there's there's been a lot of criticism. I even heard some criticism of of you and the band in regards to to the concerts uh, that you that you did in support of uh, of Ukraine and uh, and the troops in Poland. Um, I don't think the criticism is is about money. Or enough resources. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out here because I think it's an it's an important for for people who might know both sides of the argument. But there's an estimated half million homeless people in the U.S. Uh, and more than 13 million vacant or abandoned homes. Uh, this country spends 352 billion dollars on advertising. 
uh, and we waste uh, $240 billion in food. So it's not about resources and it's not about the money. I'd love your thoughts on it if you if you'd like to riff on that. Um, but uh, but if you don't, um, we certainly have an awful lot to talk about. There there are many issues and problems in every country around the world. Yep. Uh, we we put a microscope on our country, obviously, because we are here, yeah, and yeah. we we see the problems that we have here. And yes, there are terrible problems here. If, if everybody just did the right thing, if everybody worked as a team and as a whole, like mm-hmm. we have done before at certain times in this country, mm-hmm. I think that we could solve a lot of our problems here. There's, there's, but there's, a, there's huge issues with getting truthful and correct information out to people in a way that they can receive and, and yeah. believe. And that's as much of a problem as it is uh, the, the people or the corporations who who might be able to make decisions that would help more people and don't but that doesn't mean that there's not huge genocidal issues going on in other parts of the world and if we just ignore those things then how can we ever come together as a as a planet that we just can't we have to try to address things even though there are gigantic gaps in every country's handling of their own business you can't just say well because of that we must not think outside of ourselves. I mean, the world is a is a we're a global force together. We 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 affect each other every yeah. single day in millions of ways. We can't ignore things that happen outside of our walls. I love that. Absolutely love that. And uh, and and spot on. You guys also uh, recorded a music video, or you recorded a music video with uh, with Mick Jones. I want to know what love is uh, for Shriners Hospital for children uh, for children's kids. Uh, or for children, rather. Gotta take a little time Little time to think things over Better read between the lines In case I need it when I'm older And I must climb Feels like a world upon my shoulders Through the clouds I see love shine Keeps me warm as life grows colder In my life There's been And the, the website there is uh, ShrinerHospitalsForChildren.org I also have uh, ShowThemLove.org uh, I'll, I'll make uh, I'll post links to those in the notes below. Um, but it it adds a whole new dimension to that song. I was really moved. I I would love you to talk about what that meant for for the kids in that video, man.
Well, you know, we've been working with the Shriners for uh, more than a, a decade. Yeah. Uh, and um, proceeds from our, some of our CD sales go to Shriners. And um, and I think that, listen, you, you, you want to let people know about that but on the other hand you don't want to let people know about that because it sounds like you're saying you're promoting yourself it's like look at me i'm doing things for charity and 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 we and we have done significant things for charity oh, but you have and, the big microphone yeah and um and it's 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 a small way of being able to give back um yeah. just like we're doing just like we're doing with these youth choirs and um and so that would be foreignerchoirs.com because uh-huh. uh, we're having we're having uh, multiple choirs open our big uh, summer tour with lover boy and live nation uh we're having multiple choirs open the show and and then the, they get voted on and there's a winner picked and they receive a bose uh, pa system from our partners bose wow. and everybody and everybody gets a dollar donation but that's about raising awareness about the lack of funding for school choirs again mm-hmm. one of the million things in this world that that need attention mm-hmm. because at uh, you know our schools when i was going through the school system <laughs> there, there was a real. We were really high in the on on the list of quality of schools, and we have. You were we in, have, you were in school choir, weren't you? I was in school choir, and yeah. so I'm a product of that. And yeah. a lot, a lot of schools now are when they don't have the budget, they remove PE or they remove the arts. Yeah, and that's such an integral part of making a well-rounded human being. Yeah. And if you just remove that, then they're losing that. Uh, ability to have contact with uh, the history of art and the the, uh, the emotions and the and the visions that those things bring to a person's mind who may never step outside of their hometown. And I, I truly believe that going out and visiting and seeing the rest of the world is really kind of makes you, I don't want to use the word tolerant, but it, it helps mm-hmm. you understand others better. And And when you understand others better, you're less likely to likely to be afraid of them or fear them or want to separate from them yeah yeah i love that uh gary peel and and robert barry both from from your neck of the woods out out in in la have have been guests on the show a couple of times and they they do a uh they do a project every year called uh, december people where they they raise home uh uh money for for the homeless um mm-hmm. and uh, i i can't say it enough that if if you have if you have the privilege of of a microphone and you can talk to uh, you can talk to any more any more people than than just the walls around you, that you you have a responsibility to use that power for helping helping those in the community that that would benefit from from that voice or benefit from light being shined. Uh, on their their situation, their issue, and, um, and you know, Dave Grohl has this huge uh, yeah. barbecue where he goes and he cooks for the homeless. So he's and he and he's doing the cooking himself. He's doing all that stuff. I know I know John Bon Jovi has something that he's doing for people who need help as well. And I'm not sure that I would say it's a responsibility, but it's a reflection on you as a person whether you do or anything or not. And yeah, yeah, uh, because you're not obligated. But if you feel that, hey, I'm I'm thankful and appreciative and I feel I need to give back, then that mm-hmm. I think that's what you need to do. Absolutely. Standing in the rain with his head hung low. Couldn't get a ticket. It was a sold out show. 
Heard the roar of the crowd He could picture the scene Put his ear to the wall And like a distant scream He heard one guitar Just blew him away Saw stars in his eyes And the very next day Bought a beat up six Second hand store Didn't know how to play it But he knew for sure That one guitar Felt good in his hands Didn't take long To understand That one guitar Slung way down low So, um, th- this, is, this is a little touchy But, but I'm just going to go with it uh, I was listening to this piece from uh, from a guy named uh, Ken Tamplin on YouTube, and he brought up uh, replacement singers, I'm not, a title I'm not entirely comfortable with. Anyway, uh, he he gave an example of Sammy Hagar and Van Halen, and Sammy being a bit awkward in performing songs that were pioneered by David Lee Roth, who's everybody should know that he's he's a hundred and 10% showman. Uh, and he brings that to, to his songs. Um, but then he took you apart in, in this video for daring to have a different style uh, from Lou Graham. Uh, but I think you brought a much needed life and especially energy. Uh, I'm, I'm a theater guy, so energy is everything. Um, but you really brought an exuberance and passion back to the band. Can't Slow Down is completely foreigner with Kelly Hansen's vocal power. What don't critics get about you stepping in after Lou Graham's departure? Well, first of all, let mm-hmm. any critic try to sing these songs. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. It's funny how you can criticize something you have no affinity for. Mm-hmm. You have no ability to do, but you can criticize. Yeah, to me, yeah. just as just as a theory, that's that's problematic. But that's okay. People, there's always going to be critics because people love you know dirt. So my my whole thing was is that when at, at I was at a point in my career where I was not happy with what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I hadn't been acting as a lead singer for quite a few years. I was producing and engineering and right, doing right. artist development and songwriting and all that kind of stuff before Foreigner. And I wasn't happy with where I was going. And Mick was looking for a new voice for the band. Uh-huh. Or or you choose to say, this band will never exist anymore. And these songs never get played. And people don't get to hear them at all yeah. in, in any in any uh, uh, quality way. And so that's your choice. I mean, if that's what you want, then you wouldn't be coming to a show anyway. So mm-hmm. uh, it's like, it's just a moot argument for me. Because yeah. I think that uh, I was looking for a new... Uh, direction in what i was doing mick was looking for a new voice and i came mm-hmm. in and, and and we and we joined forces and i just ha- my voice happened to be in the same kind of bag as or mm-hmm. similar bag as as lou mm-hmm. i mean lou lou has accomplished so much with the band and 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 kudos to him in all ways mm-hmm. um and but my job was to come in here and try to carry on the legacy of the band yeah um sing the melodies of the songs as fans have learned to love them carry on and put on a performance i'm i'm an entertainer first and then i'm a singer mm-hmm. and uh, and so my job is to go out there and entertain 
and I have this catalog of songs that it, you couldn't dream of as a lead vocal tenor in a rock band. Yeah. Uh, and so that's all I'm doing. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm just <laughs> going out there and doing my thing. And if critics are going to critic, then then so be it. You know, I don't I, I, I don't read or hear about those kind of things because what good does it do me? Does it make me a better performer? Yeah. No. Does it change how I'm going to do things? No. Does it change the fact that we have built this band back up from a place that wasn't, you know, really fantastic in 2005? You know, yes, we have. And I think that that's the proof that you look at yeah, whether indeed. I'm doing, some, doing something right or not. If I took this band in a downward trajectory, then I could see listening to criticism. But uh -huh. I don't, that's the opposite of what's happened with this band. And so that's where I put my head on the pillow at night. I would climb any mountain, sail across a stormy sea. If that's what it takes me, baby, to show how much you mean to me. Well, I guess it's just the woman in you that brings out the man in me. I know I can't help myself. You're all in the world to me. Feels like a I, I read someplace that, that Mick Jones wrote Feels Like the First Time and then went in search of, of the band. So truly, right. Mick Jones is the only true member of Foreigner. Everybody else was sort of hired help, which isn't to take anything away from those substantial uh, artistic talents, right? Well, I mean, that's a strong way to phrase it. I think yeah. that uh, Mick and Lou worked together and co-wrote a lot of great songs together yeah yeah so so we i wouldn't go as far as just saying you know people just hired hands but okay. but it was mixed always been mixed band and you know he he holds the vision the thing i liked is that we've always been incredibly simpatico on our beliefs about mm -hmm. what and how things should be done we see eye to eye on that kind of stuff except for you know there's tiny like he's he's a very good vocal producer and mm -hmm. he will he will make suggestions when we're, you know, recording music and and uh, they're very good suggestions. And I don't always agree because sometimes I say, listen, I'm singing the song. Let me <laughs> sing it this way. And he and he 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 really is great. He goes, well, we'll sing it both ways and then we'll both know which one is better. So so he's been really great about that. And I think because we see things the same way, he's a. Mm -hmm tried and true hardcore show must go on type of guy yeah and, and i am the same i am the same way we've we've always felt that same way and that's been a great a great thing for me because he's he's graciously uh given me such latitude and allowed me to do things um that he didn't have to he could have said well i don't want you to do that or i don't like that and, and occasionally he does you know say i don't like that can we change that and but um, giving me the latitude to have my creativity has been mm -hmm. a, a wonderful thing uh, about being in this band.
Yeah, I've heard I've heard you say that before that he that he tends towards the collaborative side um, in in the studio and and he's characterized himself as a bit of a tyrant but uh, but I, I'm not getting that from you I think I think he knows what he wants when, right but well, he, yes but I but I also think when you're working with quality people you don't have to be so hardcore and I, I'm not trying to make a comment about anybody else but I just think when I've been in writing sessions and in the studio with Mick we're always working with really top people and he if someone's really good at what they do he trusts them yeah. and I think that was that was that was also the case in Foreigner before I was in the band you know mm-hmm. if someone's doing a great thing he trusts them and then you know at some point in time you stop and, and you put your hand behind your ear and you listen to what's going on around you and you pause and you go is this where I want this going right now is this is this how I want it to be and maybe sometimes you say, well, I need to make a change here and there. And yeah. and so sometimes those things happen. But but he's the one who holds that creative vision. So you have mm-hmm. to you have to listen to that. You were uh, you were nervous that uh, that first audition with Foreigner, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, how, I mean, how I do mean, you I overcome? Would... How do you overcome that? Uh, overcome the anxiety or the trepidation at that level? Well, this was a kind of a drawn out process. Um, uh-huh. I had met uh, Tom Gimble, who was in the band playing sax and rhythm guitar at the time. And okay. and uh, so that was my kind of entree into the foreigner oh, business management world and, and, and management world where I could talk to somebody. And so uh, I was sent a CD of yeah. five foreigner tracks that were the original tracks. Uh, but without vocals and someone had gone in the studio with the original tracks and just kind of put up the faders and made a mix for me and sent it to me and they said can you put your voice on this so what I did was I had my home studio and so I spent a couple of days going in there and just doing these tracks exactly as I thought they should be done and delivered that and then Mick got to hear that CD in New York so all you know this was over the course of a couple of months so I've been looking too hard, I've been waiting too long Sometimes I don't know what I will find I only know it's a matter of time When you love someone When you love someone Feel so right, so warm and true I need to know Maybe I'm wrong Won't you tell me if I'm coming on too strong This heart of mine has been hurt before This time I want to be sure I've been waiting for a girl like you So when it finally came time to jam with the band, I, I... You know, I didn't know the songs 100%, but I felt more confident because I was able to sing and put them on tape with the original tracks. I said, you know what? That sounds pretty good. Mm -hmm. So, but at some point you have to say, if you're going to take on the, a history like this, a catalog of songs like this that are so powerful and so far reaching, you have to say to yourself, I I said a couple things. I said, do you think you can, you have the ability to do this? 
And I said, I, I think so. And then you have to say, do you have the balls to jump into this? Yeah. And, and I said, well, I guess sometimes you just have to take a leap and have faith in yourself. And I think a lot of major decisions in my career were based on me having faith in myself and taking a leap and mm -hmm. saying, you know what, the, the, the things that scared me the most have always turned out to be the most successful. And, and I could see how another person might go, you know, it's too scary. I'm not going to do it. And luckily, I was able to kind of get past that and just try. Because the worst thing that they could say is no. And that's a very short word. So close to me, there's nowhere in this world that I would rather be forever in this moment, forever in this dream. Cause baby, every hour away from you is only a waste of time. I wanna give my love to you all my Is, is that faith muscle uh, something or faith in yourself a muscle that you can you can strengthen or build on or is it is it is it something more more innate uh, and and less um, that, that you either have it or you don't have it how, how do you how do you, I, you feel I think about it's that? I think it's experienced and environmentally form, formed I think okay for example I'll give you an example yeah. When I was in a hurricane and we were starting to have our modicum of success, we had a, uh -huh. a song in the top 35, an album in, in the top 100. Uh -huh. We were starting to make a noise. And I was in, living in Los Angeles at the time. At the time of metal music or heavy metal, or we were, we were a melodic metal group. So the city was really teeming with metal life and shows and clubs and mm -hmm. you know all that kind of stuff so we we were known we could get into any clubs because we just you know they knew we were in hurricane and we could get in you know past the line and you know we were kind of being treated like you know rock stars and mm -hmm. it was re really cool and really fun i'm not one to give advice but girl you're in trouble and you're better And then in 1991, 
when Hurricane was over, in a matter of six months, no one knew or cared who I was. And to witness that in real time, in real life, makes you understand how insignificant you really are. And or just, or just how fickle the environment is. No, I think it's more important to understand how, how, how really unimportant you are. Because if you okay. get famous, and especially if you get famous young, uh-huh. and that and that fame continues, you don't have the gravity of reality to show you that that's not real. It's all just this perception being projected back at you. And when I had to face that and go, oh, I really don't mean anything. It's fame and this world and and the entertainment business as a whole is not really about what's real about me. It's about what's going on at that moment. And in five minutes from now, and it's so it's not about that world. It's not about entertainment or music business or rock stardom or you have to start dealing with who you are as a person. And so once I was able to go, oh, wow, this is where I am really in this world. You, you kind of stay, take a step back and you go, okay, I'm going to work and I'm going to do this and I'm going to take chances. And if I get some success, even if I move forward and if things go well for me, you got to make sure you keep perspective about who you are really and mm-hmm. not what people think or what, the, or what the business has created this picture of about you. You really have to think about who you are. Um, and I think that was a really huge lesson for me uh, because it made me say to myself, concentrate on what you think is good, what you think is right for you to do, you know, sing sing the song to please yourself artistically and Mm -hmm. don't think outside of yourself for your approval. I mean, that's been a real core of, of what I've tried to do for myself. I don't think outside of myself for approval. I have to be my own worst critic and that's the only critic that matters because if someone wants to come along for the ride and enjoy it and buy it or go to a show or participate in the concert or whatever, they're choosing to go along with something that I'm doing and I think it's good for me. And if they want to be there with it, great. But I don't want to try to force creation or force sale of something that's not truly who I am. And, and I think that's really, really key and important. And and I there's people I know who are lost in the sauce. They're really yeah. living, living the star thing, and they don't know who they are. You're uh, you're you're breaking some some heavy duty taboos here, man. By uh, uh, by being so so centered and enlightened uh, in in an industry not known, or or at least the cliche of the industry. Uh, is is that it's uh, it's antithetical to being that centered and that uh, that wise. Listen, this is not yourself. a per- yeah. not a perfect practice, but it's yeah, it's the concept yeah. that I try to try to stick to. That's all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to go back and talk about uh, Lou Graham a bit. Uh, have you met or heard from from Lou at all since you since you joined uh, Foreigner? Well, yeah, we did we did shows together. We did a whole oh okay, yeah, we did a we did a um a reunion set of shows. We did a DVD mm-hmm. uh, where, where all the uh, all the the living members of the band, you know, we, yeah. we played we played together on stage. So, so yeah, obviously, uh, uh, a duet. 
between between you and Lou or yeah, uh, you know, yeah, really? Okay, okay. Well, what we, I, what we did what, what we did for the, what we did for the shows uh-huh. was um, the current band would come on. Uh-huh. Then uh, later on the show, the original band and whoever was missing would be current band members came uh-huh. on. And then at the end, we all came on and played together. So we were doing songs, completely trading off and all that kind of stuff. Sure. What what is his what is his take on on your your being there now? Folks? Well, we we we've never talked about that. And if okay. you know, you'd have to ask him what his opinion yeah, about it is. Yeah. He he's always been gracious to me, and he was uh, he was he was fun. We did some short trips on the yeah. tour bus together and stuff, and talking about cars and things like that. And mm-hmm. uh, so, but you know, it was it was it was all good for me, and I have tremendous respect for Lou. Nice, very nice. Uh, that's uh, that's wonderful to hear. I, I had a conversation with um, with John Gallagher from from the band Raven, who at sixty nine, in order to hit those high notes, man, uh, admitted to being a teetotaler. A guitarist can go out and get another guitar. A drummer can get another drumhead. You got one voice, bro. You you have to treat your voice like like the precious instrument that it is, right? Is is there anything is there anything special that Kelly Hansen does? To, to protect that that instrument. Okay, let's just get it straight that I'm not fooled into the fact that this is as hard as tarring a roof in New Mexico in August, okay? <laughs> it, it's not that. But as far as in the realm of singing goes, uh-huh. this is a, a difficult catalog of songs to sing. And I do have to, when I go on the road, we have to go on the road for about six, seven weeks at a time. Okay. And I and I have to live 24/7 of that as a guy who's 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 catering to his voice. And um no matter what I think or want to do, I have to do what my voice wants to do. I say I say my voice is a diva but I'm not. And um uh-huh. so um it's it's not like I get to go to work at 9 and come home at 5 and I don't have to think about my job anymore. I have 24 yeah. hours I have to think about it. I have to think about how much I sleep and what I eat and how late I eat and, you know, how much I, how vociferous I am uh, outside of the showtime, you know? I can't go out there screaming and yelling and telling stories late into the night at some bar, you know, drinking a (laughs) cognac. I can't can't do that. Fill my eyes with that double vision. I have to pay attention to my voice and it, you know it seems like every year I have to give up something else to maintain the status quo because it gets it gets harder every year and that's one of one of one of a well that's a large reason uh, why I decided that we need to do this farewell tour thing because mm-hmm. we, we will go through 2024 and um, 
because um, I I just it's just it gets so hard, and I'm not willing to do these songs less than than they should be. Yeah. Um, so it, uh, I'd rather go out on top with the memory and the legacy of of this live you know performance thing being a a good taste in people's mouths rather than as we all know there are groups yeah. out there that really shouldn't be out there and i don't know there's a i guess there's a wide spectrum of reasons why some people are still out there but i don't want to be out there looking and sounding like shit and just yeah, because, I get it. Because, of, because of what because i need some dollars or i need or i need the attention or i don't know yeah. what it is but it's yeah. a, i don't that's not what i want to do I'm going to challenge you a bit. Um, you always point to Hurricane as a precursor to your stint with Foreigner, and Liquid Fury matches the power of Can't Slow Down song for song. Um, but you leave that self-titled 2003 album from Perfect World kind of out of the discussion. Uh, that was such a great album and arguably closer in style to the, the bluesy pop um, style of, of Foreigner than the metal sound of Hurricane. And I'm thinking of, of Overnight Sensation or I Believe in You. title track to Can't Slow Down beautifully illustrates the power and energy Kelly Hansen brings to Foreigner as a vocalist. Do you spend a lot of time on phrasing before you go into recording? And, and what is that process? Well, you know, um, there's little rules I like to follow um, mm -hmm. when, I, when I'm working on a lyric uh, or phrasing a lyric. Like, uh, I think it's important to to uh, the the priority words 
you have to avoid like is and but or you have to focus on the the key words of the phrase and not give attention to all those little connecting words because mm -hmm. they're not the, they're not the important part of the message they're just connecting words to the important part of the message That's so so when i'm doing my phrasing I, I i think about that and so i want i want the the word that has the the meaning to really have the most uh attention in mm -hmm. that line that's kind of a little thing that I do. I, I remember working with uh, Bob Ezrin, who did Kiss and Pink Floyd, and you know mm -hmm. he's a producer. And uh, I think we had discussions at the time when we, when he was working on Hurricane with us about those kind of phrasings, and uh, we talked a lot about lyric and phrasing, and so that had an effect on how I think about um, yeah. that that kind of thing. Yeah, but normally some well sometimes like on on can't slow down we were recording the record as we wrote it um and what i mean okay. by that is we had a we had a pro tools studio marty Fredrickson had a pro tools set up, set up and he had also had a mobile pro tool setup so uh, uh -huh. 2009 i think it was um we we spent most of the year touring in uh america and in europe and we um, every time there was a day off, either Mick was flying to L.A. where Marty and I were or Marty and I were flying to New York where Mick was. And we yeah. went we went to New York. We, we would rent a hotel suite and set up the studio. And as we wrote bits, we would record them. Mm -hmm. um, so a song with Pro Tools, you can build tracks like you can start with an acoustic guitar and a scratch vocal. Mm -hmm. And. Let's say do it to a click track or a, or, or a tempo map so it moves faster and slower and wherever you need to mm -hmm. and then and then you can keep that and just add instruments to it and then you can add whatever you want to it and build it and build it and build it but you never have to lose the instruments that you originally put down so i would usually do like a scratch phrase or scratch verse Mm -hmm. And then, we, then we, and I did a, you know, scratch B section or chorus or whatever. And mm -hmm. as long as we had like those three sections, verse, bridge, and a chorus, or verse, B section, and chorus, mm -hmm. you can kind of construct a song in Pro Tools, and then you can you can just start having a guitar player come in or having the keyboard player come in, and, and they can add parts and do things, and then you can start fleshing out the song. And they go, then you go, oh, we need a we need a bridge section which takes the song into a different area, like, and so. You could still keep everything you had and just make space in the song to create a bridge section and then build it from there. So on that album, that's how I did it. But on on Slave to the Thrill, for example, for Hurricane, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was done in a 24-track studio with a tape. That was one of the only instances in my career where I was able to sing a scratch vocal at the beginning yeah. where I cut or I cut tracks with the, the rhythm section. So drums, bass, and rhythm guitar and me recorded first but my vocal was only to uh show arrangement and provide energy for the rhythm section which were going to be keeper tracks mm -hmm. my scratch vocal was not never meant to be a keeper track and so usually uh, back in the day when you record an album that's how it would go then you build guitars keyboards background vocals and then at the end usually you have the lead vocalist come in and sing and replace that scratch vocal and right. and a lot of times, most of the times, there wasn't enough time and there wasn't enough money to really let the vocalist do, 
you know, have the proper time. So usually the vocalist okay. gets screwed because he's got to come in last at no time and no money, you know, budget's full, schedule's over, you got to deliver the record, and the vocalist has to finish it. And but on on uh, Slave to the Thrill, I was able to do scratch vocal, and then at the end with mm -hmm. uh, Michael James Jackson, mm -hmm. uh, I was able to do full on real vocal. We would do a comp vocal. I would do five or six tracks of a verse, five or mm -hmm. six takes. And then we would go through and we'd choose the best word or phrase from each line. And you would, you'd play the track and then you'd switch the channels with the switch. So, so track two would be the first two words and track four would be the second three words. And then track five would be, you know, a phrase and, and you, and you just flick the switch so that you would hear only those tracks during only those times. And that becomes what we call a comp vocal. Mm -hmm. And then, the comp vocal would be the finished vocal. So when you're recording, that means that I have to match my intensity, my volume, my energy. It has to be the same every time if you're going to put it up against another track that was done yeah. five minutes or ten minutes before. So that's how we used to do records. did uh when we did um uh can't slow down can't slow down we were doing it as we did it pretty much uh there were some songs where we were at, when we've got everything finalized we said you know what i think we need to maybe redo this vocal on this change the melody here for this part so we were you know but you have that ability to do that but i remember it's it's kind of ironic because now in the world of ai you know I've done so many interviews and sang so many songs that people could sample me and they don't need me anymore. And that to me sounds like the death of music. But yeah, I have indeed. to say, but I have to say, I remember seeing an interview with Nancy Wilson, uh, not Nancy, mm -hmm. uh, the Nancy Wilson, not, not from heart, um, 60s singer. And she thought the death of music was when the 24 track was invented because no longer were people playing live in the studio together all at the same time. Like when Frank Sinatra did his records, well, wow. I mean, the youth today yeah. don't, don't recognize that Frank Sinatra would come in with an orchestra in the studio yep. and he would be in a booth yep. and he would do one or two takes of a song and that would be it. And that's how talented he was. There's, there's no a, pitch uh, correction. There's no retakes. There's no comp vocal. There's none of that. He would just do it live. And so we are so far away from that anymore that it kind of, for me, is, is a little bit depressing. And and I'm not unhappy that I am coming towards the later side of me uh -huh. being in this, you know, because I don't like what's happening. I don't like what's going on. I, I, I just, it it's, I'm sorry, but I'm just from a different school. I'm from an earlier generation that, 
doesn't really like that. And but now I, I think in I, I think in I think in the age of AI, it's it's those it's those human um, it's those human qualities which which will which will really begin to define art on the revolutionary side. There's a, I there's I, a, I agree. I don't agree. I think that really, I think, I think that today's audience and audiences going forward yeah. are, are, will be so used to and accepting of what's coming out that they yeah. will think of that as, as super emotive and beautiful and lovely. Mm-hmm. And, and they won't miss any of that, or they won't even notice that that's gone um, because they're so they're, they're happy now with all the hardcore pitch correction they're happy with bands playing live on tape i mean they're happy with that uh, yeah, yeah they don't seem, they don't seem to mind so that's only going to continue forward so the days of, that i'm talking about are long gone and will will probably maybe exist again in some nostalgic way but i think that that that's kind of going going away wow suddenly you got me feeling old <laughs> <laughs> But but no, I I I I tend to agree and 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 I want to disagree with you badly. You know, I, I've spoken with with hundreds and hundreds of of writers and painters and musicians. Uh, there's a there's a a, a friend uh, out here, Ethan Taylor Sellers, uh, who just recorded a a great. It, it's it's sort of a it's sort of a fusion Irish uh, jig band. Um, right. with with some pop elements and and he made a point of having everybody in the studio to play together and and the energy just sort of explodes off of off of the 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 passion just just erupts out of out of that album and and he owes that to to being in the studio and recording, looking in the eyes and and sort of sort of gauging those reactions uh, in real time with the other musicians. Um, right. On yeah. the other but, hand, does yeah. the person riding up to the 50th floor in an elevator have any clue how the building was built? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's that's true. That's true. Uh, you know, I, I wanna I wanna bring this back to to authors and and what this first began um when uh when, when we were having photographers on the radio show and we were talking about the ai potential for uh for photography and 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 then it was it was photoshop and and what you could do with with photoshop but but there was always that human element and and i was a war photographer and and I, I can I can tell you that those those best shots uh, or those most poignant or human shots are the shots where a photographer anticipates uh, a moment that that is going to happen in in a in another person or in a group of people, and and that that comes from that comes from from the photographer understanding their own um finite reality that that they're gonna die someday maybe 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 sooner than later um but but having having that understanding uh and all of the history the pain the mistakes the shame the everything everything in their life 
all feeds up to that anticipatory moment. Um, and, and I've had that same conversation with, with authors is, is it that music is, is maybe more technologically driven than those other art forms and that those other art forms will catch up to, to that AI dystopia that you're, you're talking about? I, I guess I'm a, a cynic in a way. Um, okay. In, okay. Photograph in your photographic analogy there, um, I agree with you, but I want to just add that I think when you're take because I take photos too, and and, mm -hmm. and my wife is a professional photographer, and and I think, like you said, but also the anticipatory element is there, but also understanding human nature and human yeah. function and human socialization and human interaction plays a big part. If you're going to catch a candidate of a group of people you're you're catching maybe more than an instantaneous moment you're observing the full action of their interplay and you're yeah. saying this is a good moment to capture part of this interplay and um and i i think that part of playing music is going to be more and more for the musician than it is going to be for the listener i think mm -hmm. uh, i think that a learned listener will be able to appreciate the difference. But I think most listeners are not learned listeners. How could they be? You know, mm -hmm. it's just like there's like most people aren't architects and most people aren't doctors. And, you know, and doesn't matter how many times you go to mayoclinic.com, you're not going to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so so you're just participating in what is delivered to you. And and everyone's has a way of they, they say that uh, human beings have an ability to adapt very quickly to something that at first seems impossible. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what we're doing here. That's what we're doing in, in the, in the art world, the art form, uh, yeah, that is, yeah. is the artistry. Um, and, and, and didn't you, did you hear about this photographer who just won an award? And then when he accepted the award, he, he told everybody, I didn't create this. This was AI. Yep. Yeah. I and heard that. So, that's how much people are willing to accept it. I tend to be on the cynical side as well. Um, I just I I try to fight it at at every step and try to and try to make that case for for our our, uh, our collective uh, and celebratory humanity. But I hear uh, I hear you. I, I you know yeah. I have I have I have <laughs> other interests in my life, and yeah. I'm ready to start a new chapter and do other things and. Mm -hmm. How much music will be part of my next chapter? I don't know, yeah. but but I'm fortunate to be able to make that choice. Some people are locked in and they can't do anything else. They can't go sure. anywhere else, and they have to live with the reality of where they are. Like yeah. you know, I wouldn't want to be starting a band right now. I wouldn't want to be starting out because that would that's got to be a hellhole. You know, yeah. trying to get your music out there, trying to make any money out of it, which is just ridiculous now. You know. You, I, I, I sat down to sushi next to a very famous rapper. Uh -huh. It was a big time rapper. I won't say his name. Uh -huh. And I, we started talking. I said, "So, what's your major? Uh, what's your major money stream?" And he said, "Live." Yeah. And I, and I was in shock because I thought a new and current artist would would somehow be making money off their music mm -hmm. other than playing live. You know, it's just, but it was the exact same thing for a, a classic rock band. 
Yeah. You're yeah. only make only making any money playing live. And imagine trying to do that with a new band. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like I said, I, I spoke with uh, with John Gallagher, uh, who's who's touring um, constantly, um, and uh, and Martin Barr, uh, who I was I was shocked when he talked about having to. Uh, he he no longer has uh, has an engineer that that uh, that he he pays for. Uh, he he's he's called us from the road a couple of times driving the van uh cross country 74 um you know that but but boy he he just he just loves he just loves the live experience but but that's where that's where the money is uh nowadays there's there's almost no money for from streaming or or from uh from cd sales right uh there there's virtually no more cd sales yeah Uh, yeah and, and there is absolutely zero money in streaming yeah. I used to, you can see, see Snoop Dogg talking about it. It's like, yeah, uh, like I, okay, I'll give you an example. I had a piece of a song, mm-hmm. about a quarter of a song, and uh, I got my statement, and I had forty-one thousand streams, and I made forty-one cents. Wow! Wow! So you have to, I think you have to have three million yeah. streams to make three grand or something like that. It's, yeah. It, I mean, how can anyone survive like that? You got to have another job, yeah. Or you got to have a clothing line, or a fragrance line, or a shoe line, or sunglasses line, or you got to be a conglomerate now, and and and, and then you got to use your, all of your off music yeah. time to create custom content for your yeah. social presence. And I never became a singer to have a spend all of my off time creating custom content that's clever and unusual and interesting and I don't want to do that on my off time. Yeah, that's 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 a difficult, that's a hard hard black hole of time uh, to uh, to justify. We were when we were doing the radio show, uh, Carrie Kendall and I, we were on every social media platform, and boy, that that will just suck the time away from from your content. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Boy, I, I could I could go on with you all day here, brother, but I know your time is at a premium, so. Um, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to try to finish up here very quickly. Um, okay. This is, and this is the hardest part for me. Um, I saw foreigner twice for double vision and for four. Uh, and besides a KTEL compilation, the first foreigner album was the first album of thousands uh, that I, that I would own. Uh, I, I think I, I, I bought it at uh, a Ben Franklin store for $2 and 99 cents. The announcement that, that, the band was ending felt like the end of an era to me. I can't imagine how it felt for you in the band. Well, it's a, it's evolving presently. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because the, I made this decision a, a little while ago and then, you know, we started this year's touring and I'm surprising myself with the uh, emotions that I feel at just random times. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I kind of broke down once in front of the, uh, an audience because I just, mm-hmm. I was looking around the venue that I'd been to many times, thinking to myself, I may never be at this venue again, in front of these people again. And wow. and that's something to face. But you know what? There are really good things about this too. I, mm-hmm. I, it, I hate going to see something that sucks. 
Yeah. And it, yeah. it puts such, such a pall over mm. what your memory is going to be. You know, like they say, always leaving, always leave them wanting more is, is I think such a good credo for someone in my position. And, and, and I, and I listen there, everybody in the world is trying to get me to for, do it for longer. Yeah. And, and, um, I, I, I want to spend time with my family. I want to live my life. I want yeah. I've been on the road nine months of the year for the <laughs> last, almost 20 years. Wow. And it's like, um, I've been doing this for 45 plus years, 45 years. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can, I want to live my life before I'm too old to be able to live my life the way I want to. Yeah. And so I, I have to think about that first. I, mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people are pressured into doing things because other people want to continue making money from that entity. And, uh, and I can't be allowed, I can't allow myself to be pressured to, to do something that's going to mm-hmm. take away from what I know I want to do and what I know is going to make me happy, you know? And, 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 you know, things do end, things do change. People do die and, yeah. and the world and the world keeps turning. And, but the, the songs and the videos will still be there. And I'm sure there's going to be something out there that looks or sounds like, you know, this at some point. And so, you know, that's what we have to face. We have to face reality and, and time uh, waits for no man. I, I don't think that a lot of people realize uh, that it's been 50 years with Foreigner for Mick Jones, uh, 45, 45 years in, in, in music for you. Uh, but I, I don't think a lot of people know that he was with uh, Sylvie Martin on stage with the Beatles and Jimi Hendrix and co-wrote songs uh, with, uh, with Sylvie Martin like, uh, I'm, I'm going to blow my French here, Really bad. Uh, c'est toujours rester couché. director for Johnny Halliday, the French Elvis, uh, then returned to England in the early 70s to uh, to join Spooky Tooth and Gary Wright. He's paid and, some and major dues, with, man. Co-wrote yeah, with, go ahead. Co-wrote with Eric Clapton. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, he, Produ- the, the, produced, the resume, produced, we, we just spend produced, an hour doing that. Produced Van Halen with Sammy Hagar's debut record. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, I, mean, I, know, I wanted to mention about Sammy, you know, Sammy came in and they had their first number one record with Sammy. Yeah. So yeah, that, that blows that whole argument about, you know, other singers and you can do the debate back and forth for a for hundred years, but like every band 
has replaced people. Every yeah. band, yeah. almost every single band. Yeah. Or someone has died or whatever. And yeah. So what do you want people to do? Just stop? <laughs> well, the band you know, you I spoke loved, with... The band, the band you loved, the band you loved, the band you just really adored. Yeah. Uh, someone changes and like, oh, I don't like you anymore. And that's it. I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I, I spoke with Dennis Dyken uh, from from the Smithereens not too long ago, and Garnet Grimm from from Savoy Brown doing a doing a drum thing. Um, after Pat Denizio's passing, the Smithereens turned to to Marshall Crenshaw, and and uh, and Marshall uh, did did a great job. Um, they also released, by the way, uh, a lost album from 1994, and Garnet uh, has hinted at more material. From the late great Kim Simmons. Um, so I, I guess I guess I'll, I'll ask you this: uh, anything left in the Foreigner Vault we haven't heard yet? Oh yeah, there's all kinds of stuff that's in different yeah. stages of completion, and you know, it's just uh, whether we whether we get there or not. You know, I don't know, but yeah. but it's definitely quite possible. So um, so are are you ready to uh, to define what's uh, What's next for Kelly Hansen, or is it too too soon to tell yet? You're focused on uh, on this. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of busy right now doing what being sure. involved in what I'm doing. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that uh, hasn't come to me uh, yet. Yeah, um, I, I imagine after 19 years, it's going to take uh, it's going to take some time, right? Well, it's going to take a little time, a little time to think things over. Well done, better, sir. Better read between the lines. <laughs> <laughs> well, we certainly will keep our eyes and ears open to hear uh, whatever you do next. Uh, Kelly Hansen is the lead singer of the iconic band Foreigner. Uh, Foreigner calls it quits at the end of 2024. The band is performing their historic farewell tour uh, for their only Chicago date, July 22nd, at the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater for a 7 p.m. show with uh, with Loverboy. Another, another great voice, man. Uh, Mike Reno. Um, yeah absolutely yeah uh the band's latest cd is jukebox heroes the website is foreigneronline.com uh also foreignerquires.com we'll post a link to that uh and i will post a link as well to the grammyfoundation.org and shriners hospitals for children uh org all wonderful wonderful uh benefits um that you guys uh, you guys are champions of um it was uh Man, it was a pleasure talking with you, brother. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. All right, man. Be well. Thank you, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I stole a ride on a passing star Not knowing where I was going How near or how far Through years of light Lands of future and past Till the heavenly gates were sighted at last. I'd like to thank Kelly Hansen for joining me, and thanks to all of you who listened. Please subscribe to this podcast simply by clicking the subscribe button to receive updates and notifications about future guests and programs. Please feel free to share this podcast however you like. Until next time, for Playtime, I'm your host, 
WC Turk. Control is in 